Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Bree is going to go deep. He's got ground. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Well, we're playing through AD, and so everybody's going to have to adjust to that. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackie. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry County Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio. Wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. How goes it? Welcome into the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans, and welcome in to a huge show here on this Thursday from the Smoothie King Center Studios as the Pelicans get ready for the Thunder tonight in NBA preseason action. I'm Sean Kelly. Daniel Salerson is our producer. And we're certainly glad that you've uh, joined us for this Thursday show. One that we've told you was going to be very good, as always, on Thursday of a Saints week. We're going to visit with the voice of the Saints, Jim Henderson. We'll also preview tonight's Pelicans game against the Thunder. And today we welcome in for the first time on the Black and Blue Report, Rachel Nichols of CNN and Turner Sports. Very engaging interview, wide-ranging topics and uh, Rachel Nichols, very gracious to join us on this Thursday. Good stuff. So we're preparing for the football weekend. We're preparing for the NBA tonight. We're talking to a national um, sports figure in Rachel Nichols. So we've got it all for you here on the podcast here today from the Smoothie King Center. Let's get started with some Saints news first. Obviously, yesterday was back-to-work day in earnest for the Saints as they get ready for the Detroit Lions this weekend. We heard from Drew Brees, and we heard from head coach Sean Payton. We got the injury list, and that's all yours, of course, on the NewOrleansSaints.com website and the Saints mobile app. One thing we also got to do yesterday was talk to Mark Ingram, who is a full go now, back from the broken hand, ready to go against Detroit. And here is Mark Ingram in the post-practice locker room yesterday. I'm doing real good. Feels good when I'm out there practicing, so I'm, good. I'm happy where I'm at right now. You've gotten into a pretty good rhythm in those first two games. Do you feel any fall off, or do you feel like you're right back where you start? I feel I'm feel like I'm right back where I started, just ready to pick up where I left off and um, help us win. Yeah. Do the roles change any, or do you continue to, to I, I guess, start and rotate through and through and through? I, I expect it to be the same as it always was. I mean, you know, we got uh, lots of guys in the backfield that can do lots of different things, so just uh, assume that we're going to keep doing our same little thing that we've always done. Fitness-wise, did you fall off any, or did you, you know, remain no. the same? I mean, it wasn't your legs, obviously. Yeah, so I, I feel fine. I feel great, feel in shape. Uh, breathing's good when I'm out there in practice. So, you know, the game's a different story, but um, I feel good. Did you see any specific areas where you felt like, you know, you can plug in when you got back, or did you feel like you guys didn't fall off any in the running game? I feel like we did fine. I feel like uh, 
we did a great job running the ball. So just got to keep going. You know, for you, I guess, was it specifically discouraging? Or any, I mean, you get off to the best start of your career, and all of a sudden, bam, you get a, you get an injury, and now you're out for a couple of weeks, and you can't continue. I mean, did it feel like a, a big disruption for you? Um, obviously, it's nothing that uh, – obviously, it's disappointing, and you don't ever want to be hurt and miss games. But, you know, it was just a thumb or – and, um, you know, I'm able to come back, miss a couple of weeks, and come back and pick up right where I left off, hopefully. So, um of course, it's discouraging and, you know, frustrating, but, you know, it's part of our game. You just got to come back stronger. Is the plus side of it, I guess, that you, you didn't get the wear and tear, you didn't get the bumps and bruises that you might have gotten in, in, in a few more games? Um, I guess you could look at it that way. I mean, um, my legs are fine. You know, my body's fine. It wasn't my legs. It wasn't anything crazy. You know, just hand, thumb, whatever you want to call it, and uh, I'm back. Even how much I had to walk up late. How much? I mean, did you know as soon as you did it in Cleveland? I mean, when no. that injury happened. I just figured that it was maybe strained or something. Um, I knew that it, it hurt, but I didn't think it, I broke it. Was it on the helmet or the, or the ground? Just break it, break it, break, break it myself on the fall. So, do you have a high tolerance for pain, or are you just that zoned in? <sighs> I mean, it hurt. I mean, it was. I was in pain, but. You just keep going, man, and I didn't think it was anything crazy. It wasn't like my legs or, you know, it didn't stop me from running, you know. I couldn't really squeeze the ball, but, you know, it just kept going. But it was obvious something was wrong during the game. I know it was hand injuries. You can't always tell that it's broken. Or... Yeah, I didn't think it was broke. I figured, I mean, I've had my thumb bent back a few times, and you just feel like a strain. It might get through the game. It'll be better, you know, this week or whatever. So um, I didn't know that I broke it. Are you going to have to wear a wrap or anything? Or I mean, I don't have to, but, um, I mean, there is something that can protect it. I'm pretty sure I know this answer. Um, surprised or expected to see the way the running game has continued, you know, during the few weeks you've been out? It should be expected. I mean, Lions been doing a great job. All we have to do is read our keys and trust our eyes and hit the holes. So, um, I mean, it's, just, it's it was expected for me to just see them to keep continue to improve and continue to get better. How did you spend the uh, bye week? Here, getting treatment, then went home uh, on the weekend to back to Michigan. Mm -hmm. well, you were able to really spend some time doing, doing some self-scouting on yourself and, and, and maybe more work in the film room, and, and if so, what did what did you notice? Just did everything. I mean, I, my main thing was just getting healthy, but um, I was in all the meetings. I was in all the film. So um, just continue to stay locked in mentally and uh, be prepared when I got back. I know it's not what you wanted, but kind of a residual of this is having fresh legs. Can you talk about, you know, having yeah, I mean, maybe be able to come back and really? I guess, I mean, if you want to look at a positive from the injury, I, it's not one of my legs, or, you know, it's no lower body. So just really get the hand back right, get my thumb back right, and, um, you know, the rest of my body's fresh, feeling good, so just ready to come back. Mark, the Lions defense is number two against the run right now. As far as from your perspective, tell us about their defense. They have a great, you know, front four. Um, Sue Fairley and those guys on the front line, they um, disrupt a lot of plays and um, give a lot of teams headaches. But um, I know our interior line is real good. I'm confident in what we're able to do. I'm confident in us being able to go out and execute. So uh, I just figure that if we go out there and take care of what we take care of, I figure we could be success successful against them. What can you do to give this team a boost? Just do me. Just run the ball hard and do the best I can to help us. You have, you have a little history against Fairley. You're excited to 
to, to face him again? Well, he's a good player. I mean, we played against each other in college. Um, I know Sue from you know Heisman, and so it's good. It's gonna be good to see those guys play against those guys. And, you know, uh, it's part of the league, man. You play against um, top guys every week. So um, looking forward to the task. Is that fun though? I mean, you all talk a little bit during the game. Is it? I mean, it's really just. I mean, it's really, it's really all love. You know what I mean? It's nothing like crazy, or you know, we might give a little, you know, joking after the game about you know Alabama or Auburn or whatever. But you know, it's really just all love, all support. How how I'm sorry, special to go back to Michigan, go back close to home for you. What? Is it gonna be special to go close to home for you? Yeah, I mean, it's special because it's the next game. But especially just to be able to go back home, haven't played there since high school, so. It would be good to go home and be able to play in front of my loved ones and good friends and, you know, all the people that are there from day one. So that's good news. That's going to help a Saints running game that's done very well here in his absence, but they'll be up against, of course, the second-best rushing defense in the NFL, the Detroit Lions. More on the Saints and Lions here in just a little bit with the voice of the Saints, Jim Henderson. Basketball-wise, we'll check in with the Pelicans post-practice locker room today in preparation for tonight's game in a little bit with Tyreek Evans, who's scheduled to go tonight for the first time this preseason against a Thunder team that will be without Kevin Durant, broken foot. As a matter of fact, the Thunder roll in here uh, at 2-1 and one on the preseason, but at least at least five, if not more, at least five guys on their roster, including Durant, are a no-go tonight. Also, Kendrick Perkins, the big guy in the middle, uh, will also not play here this evening as well. All right, so Saints and Pelicans, of course. Rachel Nichols, though, here joins us in just a moment on a big, big Thursday show on a beautiful day in the Crescent City. Let's get the ball rolling for a thrilling time at the Sanderson Farms Championship PGA Golf Tournament, November 3rd through 9th at the Country Club of Jackson. For lots of first-class golf and fan-pleasing fun, join us for the Sanderson Farms Championship. It'll be quite a ride, unless you're chicken. For ticket information, visit www.sandersonfarmschampionship.com. Don't miss Blue Man Group. The theatrical sensation is coming to you, and your chance to see it is right now. Blue Man Group, experience the phenomenon. Coming to Beau Rivage, October 31st to November 2nd. Get tickets at BeauRivage.com. Game on with NFL Ticket Exchange, the only official ticket exchange of the NFL, where 100% of tickets are verified by Ticketmaster. Buy and sell the NFL-approved way. Visit NFLTicketExchange.com. Together, we make football. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Sean Kelly. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. We are pleased here on the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans to welcome in for the first time Rachel Nichols. She's one of our favorites. She's, of course, a prominent graduate of the uh, wonderful broadcasting uh, school at Northwestern. We've seen her, of course, over the years. Well, first we saw her in print, and then we saw her on television at ESPN and ABC, and now, of course, uh, prominently with CNN, anchor, reporter, host of Unguarded, and birthday girl this weekend, Rachel Nichols. Welcome in. Thank you. Did you I don't know if we can do candles over the radio. I don't know either. Work on that. And, I would, <laughs> and I wouldn't be a gentleman if I mentioned how many candles there would be this weekend. <laughs> I am proud of my age, so it's good all the way around. Well, good, because we're rather close in age, so that works out pretty well. So Excellent. Happy birthday. <laughs> 
Thank you. Very nice. Uh, all right, so let's start with uh, the uh, question of press conferences. I'm beginning to wonder if uh, high-profile commissioners and sports leaders get a lump in their throat if you walk into the room and there's going to be a press conference. <laughs> well, if you're doing right, you should have no concerns, right? <laughs> I understand, yes. I think, I think uh, you know, it's, it's been an interesting couple months, and there's no question the NFL got a lot of the kind of attention that they didn't necessarily want. But I think that's because a lot of people had legitimate questions about the way they were handling things. I mean, look, I've, I've said this a few times now. I, the NFL is really important to us as a society. I mean, they estimated that last year something like 80% of Americans watched at least part of an NFL game. You can't get 80% of Americans to do anything, right, together. Yeah, no and doubt. the number one series on television, it's not CSI, it's not any of the other shows, the number one series on television for the last three years is Sunday Night Football. We really care about football in this country. So it's okay for all of us to demand that they do better and, and, and that they think that the things that we think are important are also important, that they share at least some of our morals and values. So I think largely in America we think it's not okay to beat up women and children and we want to make sure that the nfl as an organization feels generally the same way that's important to us and i think there were a few times over the past few months where they sent the messaging out that it really wasn't that important to them that they didn't care to look into something very carefully or they didn't really treat it very importantly once it did come across their desk and i think what i voiced in that press conference and what a lot of people have voiced is guess what this is a big deal and we have important, serious questions about it. And it is nice to see that they seem to be taking it more seriously now. Indeed. I think you saw the door open a little bit there on Roger Goodell, and I think you just kicked it in, which um, <laughs> for me as a broadcaster with kind of the old style or old school journalistic background, mm -hmm. I, I would love to see more of that. Um, Rachel, with you at the network level and everything else, sometimes, and, and I want you to correct me if I'm wrong or at least comment on this, sometimes I don't feel like we have that, old school journalistic approach anymore where tough questions are okay it it almost seems like especially watching different uh, the weekly deals with coaches and players and whatnot that it's it's almost like journalists are sometimes shown to be out of line when they ask tough questions yeah, I mean, look, it varies from person to person. I the, the nice thing about how diverse and huge today's media environment is, right, is that you can't generalize for anything. But I do think, yes, there there is definitely sometimes that feeling that if, you know, people ask tough questions, maybe they get ostracized or maybe the program, quote-unquote, comes down on them or creates an environment where they look bad. And I think it's up to everybody to ask those questions still and, and say, hey, that doesn't fly. It's okay to ask that kind of stuff. I mean, we as fans put a lot of money toward these programs. Mm -hmm. If they're college programs, right, people donate to their schools, they spend money on shirts and sweatshirts and tickets and everything else, Saints and Pelicans games, you know, the ticket prices are not cheap, and, and it's okay to be demanding about it. And, and I think it's great when I see journalists doing it, and I think it's great when I see fans doing it, frankly. Rachel, is the NFL going to get this right with regard to domestic violence? I hope so. I mean, it seems as if there is at least now enough public pressure that people have said, hey, we're watching, and, and it's important to us that you treat this carefully. And, and look, I also understand the position that, that some have taken from sort of the Players Association side of, you know, I think they came out yesterday, the other day and said due process is not a luxury, it's a right. That's certainly true in our society in terms of criminal punishment. I do think, though, that it's pretty common in our society with big public companies that do a lot of business 
not to have a, quote, front-facing employee, is what they call it in the corporate world, right, who is under a heavy and serious charge, continue to be shoved out front from that company. If the president of Pepsi, for example, and I'm picking that at random, I swear, I don't even know who the president of Pepsi is, but, you know, was charged with domestic battery or beating up his wife or beating up his kid, I am pretty sure that they would not march that president or vice president around to public speaking engagements. They might say, you know what, sit on the inside for a little bit. We're still going to pay you. We're not going to convict you, innocent until proven guilty. But we're not going to show you off right now either. And I think that that maybe that's the compromise that we're moving toward in sports a little bit. The NBA, we saw that they did it with the the, uh, Charlotte player that was, you know, basically sat, the Hornets player that was sat, mm-hmm. because he is now being investigated. I think, especially once you're charged, if the police have enough evidence to charge, which is not something that just happens or when there's an accusation, but actually they find enough evidence to charge, that may become the trigger to saying to someone, we're not going to stop paying you, we're not going to banish you, but we are going to maybe just take you out of that public environment for a little bit while we work this out. Is it fair for me to ask you what your favorite sport to cover is? <laughs> You can certainly. I, I am. It's an embarrassing answer. I am such an adrenaline junkie, and I'm totally a bandwagon jumper. That I, I wish I could say I was loyal to one sport all season, but I'm really all about whatever is sort of heating up in the moment. Um, I, I've never. I, I've covered baseball on and off through my career. It's never been my main vocation. But right now, during the baseball playoffs, I, I'm totally glued all the time, and I'm obsessed. And I promise you that during you know as football starts to heat up and the end of the season and every game becomes more important, I, I will shut out anybody else to talk about anything else. And the same with basketball. So, uh, you know, I wish I was more loyal, but the truth is I just I love it when, when stuff just is all on the line and so important. If I'm not mistaken, you're from Maryland originally, so um, you're still into this even though Orioles are out, Nationals are out? Yes. <laughs> well, when I grew up, as you were discussing my age and my yes. birthday at the beginning, there was no national team, right. which I guess makes me, what, older than 10 or something, so it's okay to admit that. But, um, but yeah, no, I mean, like, you know, it's, it's just it's sports when, when things matter and they're important and every, every pitch feels like it's, you know, the weight of the world is on it. It's exciting, and I love seeing what happened in Kansas City. You know, with just people on the happiness and joy, I mean, there are not a ton of other things going on in society where you get to see 50,000 people happy all in one place. That's pretty cool, right? You sit in the same oh, game on the weekend and you yeah. get seventy or 80,000 people and, and, and something good happens and, and the just joy that streams out of that all at once. I, I love that in sports, and, and I think the t- this time of year is, is some of the best stuff for it when, when those sports kind of hit their peak. Rachel Nichols with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Rachel, you mentioned passion in sports. Obviously, there's a huge passion for the New Orleans Saints mm-hmm. here in the Gulf South. Can you compare it to somewhere else to give Saints fans an idea that they're in this kind of a club, if you will, with regard to the way they mix the team in with their culture? Well, I mean, what I love about the Saints in New Orleans is sort of the way sort of the the rise, and I mean, I know the word rebirth is kind of thrown around there a little bit, but the rebirth of the city is, and, and the Saints have been so tied up. I actually spent a tremendous amount of time there um, after Hurricane Katrina. That was kind of my assignment was for ESPN when I was working there during those couple months of, of sort of, you know, what happened to the team that was displaced when the Saints were in Texas and then going back to New Orleans and sort of working with the Hornets as, as they became sort of the first pro team to play, and, and then the Saints as they readjusted there and, and staying through that, you know, incredible incredible Monday night football game. I was actually on the sidelines for that, and it was just, you know, I mean, just to be in the, talk about being in the middle of 80,000 people being happy at one time, I mean, it was just amazing, as you know. Um, and, and sort of the way the team and 
leaned on the city, the way the city leaned on the team, and the way that depth and bond was sort of strengthened is something that I really, frankly, haven't seen in other cities because other cities didn't go through something the way New Orleans went through in the last 10 years. And to be able to sort of see that hold even years and years later has been really special and I think is unique to the city of New Orleans and its fans. Rachel Nichols is not only, uh, of course, an anchor and reporter with CNN. She's uh, doing some deep dive work on her show, Unguarded. And, Rachel, I think we've got another uh, episode of Unguarded this week with a little basketball mixed in, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, LeBron James is going to be on the show talking a little bit about uh, – we have the, uh, the documentary on his early years, More Than the Game is running on CNN next week. So he's talking a little bit about that, how he, you know, you see him at 14 and, and how that differs from the LeBron James you see now. He says, I was really skinny then, um, which is fun. And also just talking a little bit about the nature of fame, which I thought was kind of interesting. You know, he's got a show that he's producing on the Stars Network called Survivor's Remorse. I don't know if you've caught it at all, but it's, it's about this, like, sort of larger issue of what happens to these athletes who are often from, you know, not not the best background and socioeconomically and family complications and things like that, and they get plunked into this environment where they're making millions of dollars and have all these crazy expectations and people coming around with their hands out and family and how to balance being who they are with this crazy world that they're plunged into. And, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting issue that runs across all sports. And we've, of course, seen time and time again when it flames out in disaster. In disaster. You know, we saw that ESPN documentary broke and just the, the terrible, terrible stories that we've heard of people losing millions and millions of dollars. We've seen guys thrive in that environment and, and use these opportunities to lift really their whole families up in a way that generationally, I mean, you just can't see anywhere else. You can't see... Um, there's no other field that lets people do that. Um, so, so that's really special, too. And, and, and I think him talking a lot about that, which he does on the show tomorrow night, about you know family members who suddenly he's never seen before coming around. He talks about his own father, who um, he never knew, and sort of how that changed in him growing up and, and fueled him. And uh, just about the, the change of, of, of an athlete as he develops, he says that he hears you've changed from people he grew up with sometimes as a negative thing. And his answer, he'll talk about a little bit tomorrow night, is he goes, I hope I've changed. He said, I've grown from, you know, 16 to, to 26 to 28 that, that you know, my circumstances have changed. I hope I've learned more as my worldview has increased. And, and the negative connotations with that versus the positive is really interesting. So I love it when athletes talk about issues a little bit and, mm-hmm. and you get beyond just the X's and O's, and he does that here. We also have Serena Williams on the show tomorrow night, and she's talking about sort of the nature of, surviving as a dominant athlete for as long as she has and, and sort of the work ethic and, and what goes into it. She goes, it's one thing to like work hard and sort of get the reward. She said, I've been in training for more than 30 years. I mean, that's pretty incredible when you think about it. Well, no doubt. Fascinating, too. I mean, and to get it from both the male and the female perspective and from mm-hmm. a team sport to an individual sport, as you'll do tomorrow night. Uh, is it 930 tomorrow night, Rachel? 930 Central. Uh, outstanding. Going to be fascinating stuff. Is there a topic, I know we've gone a long time here, but is there a topic that you haven't yet been able to get your arms around or want to put into Unguarded or another special that uh, you just can't wait to get to? Um, you know, I just I, one thing I do like is, is sort of taking some of these athletes that we all want to hear from and and kind of 
seeing the thing that affects them and then spinning it out as something larger. So we're just talking about LeBron and kind of his issues. Um, we had Kevin Durant on the show last week, and he was just talking about the sort of haterism in sports culture. If you look at the sort of reverse Twitter feed for Durant, you know, you see plenty of good things, but then you also see a lot of people, you know, I hope you tear your ACL. There's a lot of racist stuff. There's sort of, you know, I hope you die and kind of the celebrate when he got hurt, you know, a little bit of the celebration of that among some people and where we, how we got here and sort of that idea of, you know, oh, better someone knows me than, than at least they're talking about me, right? That kind of idea of doesn't matter if it's good or bad. Like, how do we stop thinking that good was good and that, that, you know, we got to the point of, like, good or bad doesn't matter as long as they're talking about me. So he's great on that stuff, and he was really insightful in talking about, you know, how that affected him as he became an athlete. And I just think those the opportunity to talk to athletes about bigger picture stuff um, that, that comes into their context and their world is stuff that we're always looking for on the show. And, frankly, you know, even when I'm – you guys will see me on, on the TNT sidelines for right. Pelicans games here and there, and even in a basketball game it's fun to kind of spin things out and talk about the bigger issues. It's an exciting team you guys got there this year. We'll see what they do. I think I think you're right. I think we probably will see you a little bit more often as uh, we've, we've seemed to come through – we've come through <laughs> a, a time, if you will, around here. Yes. So. Uh, that's for sure. I don't know how you get all this in uh, in the hours in the day. Um, <laughs> I hope your husband is able to travel with you sometimes. Yes, sometimes, yes. yes. Good. <laughs> Good. But uh, I, I certainly appreciate the time that you spent with us this morning. We'll be looking sure. for, of course, for Unguarded tomorrow night and then, of course, yep. uh, with your work with Turner and TNT, too. So, Absolutely. Um, I hope you'll come back sometime. Thanks. We'd love to. Rachel Nichols with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Plenty more to come here on this Thursday in just a moment. In New Orleans, food is more than a passion, it's a tradition. And Zatarans has been part of that tradition for 125 years. From jambalaya and dirty rice to crab boil and more, Zatarans has been jazzing up dinner since before there was jazz. And we're excited about what next season might bring. Jazz it up tonight with Zatarans, proud sponsor of the New Orleans Pelicans. The New Orleans Pelicans are taking flight, and you don't want to miss any of the action. The Pelicans' five-game flex plan presented by Domino's is the opportunity to pick the games right for you. Ticket plans are the only way to guarantee seats to the biggest games, including the matchup against LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Plus, each plan comes with a free Domino's pizza. Five-game packages start as low as $45. Call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com to score your five-game plan today. We're talking Saints football on the Black and Blue Report. Well, he's not Rachel Nichols by any means, but uh, we'll continue here on this uh, Thursday Black and Blue Report with our visit with the voice segment, and that is the voice of the Saints, of course, Jim Henderson. Hello, Jim. Hello, Sean. Good morning to you. Yeah, Good morning. It is. It's a beautiful day outside, and we're talking football again for the first time. Well, it seems like a while. I hope that you had an enjoyable bye weekend this past uh, Saturday and Sunday. I did, but I'm really anxious to get the season going again, get back into the same routine. You know, you almost have to get reacclimated to what you do each day after you've been off for a weekend. So here we go for the rest of the regular season, and hopefully, hopefully a while after that. And, Jim, I get the impression the Saints are kind of in the same mode. There was kind of an, an anxious or excited energy around that football team as you and I saw them yesterday. Well, I hope so. Yeah, it seems that way. 
Um, you know, you look at back at the first five games, and the Saints have two victories in it against teams that look to be pretty poor football teams, and they weren't impressive in winning either of those. So I think there's still a lot of angst about, among the fans about this football team, and they need to put an impressive uh, performance together against the Lions, and that'll be a tough task up there. It will be, and more on the Lions in a moment. But the, sta- the stage here, Jim, is, is set. You know, if, if the Saints, albeit against very uh, stiff competition, can put together a little bit of a run here, uh, the division is up for grabs, to say the least. And uh, all that uh, angst and uh, hand-wringing, I guess, from the first five weeks can go away here after the bye week and, and maybe a good road performance. Well, they're going to have to put a, together a streak because you look at the schedule now and it gets markedly tougher going to Detroit, home against Green Bay on a Sunday night and traveling to Carolina to play on a Thursday night mm-hmm. thereafter. San Francisco, Cincinnati, Baltimore all coming in after that for three home games. So the schedule gets markedly tougher now, and the Saints will have to start putting things together to be a factor in postseason. But like you say, the the encouraging thing is that nobody in the NFC South looks like they're going to run away with this thing. Jim, I don't want to be overly dramatic, but when you as you just laid out those next few, is this next three to four week stretch? Is that all we need to determine whether the season goes well or not? I think so. Yeah. I really, I really think that's the case. Yes. Let's talk about Detroit first up here, and we're talking about a defense that's uh, impressed many across the NFL thus far. Well, it's an incredible defense, number one in the NFL in yards per game, passing yardage per game, points per game. Uh, They've got uh, 20 sacks. That's number one in the NFL. Uh, They're a real real handful. In fact, you know, you look back at their most recent game against the Vikings, and they're – their middle linebacker, Tahir Whitehead, who is the second-team middle linebacker, Stephen Tullock's injured at that position, he had two interceptions himself in that game, and that's twice as many as the Saints have as a defense through five games. Yeah, that's right. They're taking the ball away, and they're also getting to quarterbacks. There's a lot of guys. What is it, seven different guys have at least a half a sack for Detroit, Jim? Yeah, and, and they're getting most of that, uh, that pass rush from their front four, so that means a lot. You know, one of the things we'll be talking about in the, in the pregame is the fact that when the Saints went to Dallas, they faced an offensive line of the Cowboys that had three number ones on it. We all know how that went. And now they go up to Detroit to face the Lions defense. It's got three number ones in their front four. With regard to the Saints running game, are you pleased with what you've seen through the first five weeks? Do the numbers uh, meet the eye test? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Getting Mark Ingram back will help, but certainly Kyrie Robinson filled in fine. And I think if you look through the first five games, that might be the most pleasant surprise of these five games is the fact that the Saints have shown a greater commitment and an ability to run the football. In your estimation, Jim, when you look at the Lions' defense and what the Saints might try and do offensively, does Drew Brees and what is one of the better passing games in the NFL right now soften them up to – uh, allow the run game to continue the way it has, or do you need, because of their pass rush, do you need to have an effective run game so that Drew Brees can operate the way he wants to through the air? Which comes first? Well, I think the latter. I think the Saints are going to have to establish some sort of a run game and, and stay out of predictable situations in which they have to pass. It's going to be a great uh, matchup. The number one defense in the NFL and the Lions taking on the number two offense in the NFL in the Saints, and you've got a Lions defense with 20 sacks leading the NFL coming against the team in the Saints that have only allowed Drew Brees to be sacked four times. So it's a really interesting matchup. You look at the Lions offensively and with the injuries that they've had uh, and the more conservative offense that they've run uh, under Joe Lombardi, I don't think that we're terribly frightened of the of 
offense, particularly without a Calvin Johnson. It doesn't look like he'll play. To me, one of the real keys to this game will be controlling Reggie Bush. That's another thing we'll talk about is how many former Saints facing them for the first time have had big games against them. And if Reggie Bush has a big game against the Saints with that defense that the Lions have, uh, it's going to be a very long afternoon. I think it's also interesting it's the first game of the season that the Saints will be the underdog, two-and-a-half-point underdogs going on the road to Fort Field. All good points. Let's continue about Reggie Bush. You and I were there at Saints camp yesterday, and there was um, wonderful talk about Reggie Bush from not only Sean Payton but Drew Brees as well, if not flowery talk about Reggie Bush's time here. And I think that some of that was warranted, to say the least. But how will you handle the Reggie Bush story this weekend? Well, I think it's got a, a number of dynamics to it. Uh, I was a part of the broadcast team when Reggie came here, and they talked about that yesterday with Mario Williams going to the Texans. And I still recall uh, it was like a night or two before the draft that uh, this is when the Internet was really starting to, to buzz, and they are talking about, well, the Texans are going to take Mario Williams. They're not going to take Reggie Bush. And we were all astounded, and uh, the Saints were as well. And I remember one of the stories around that draft was that, uh, that Sean and I think Drew were out to dinner, but at least Sean was and he was already diagramming plays on a napkin for Reggie Bush. And he mentioned yesterday, and, and Drew did too, about uh, what a colossal uh, acquisition that was as far as the dynamics of the Saints. Uh, he truly was a rock star when he came here. Uh, the expectations were so great, I don't think he ever could have fulfilled them. Uh, but I think it's also interesting when you look back at, at what they did to get rid of Reggie Bush, I mean, here's a guy who was the second pick in the draft, uh, easily could have been the number one pick, the Heisman Trophy winner, and they ended up unloading him to Miami for a reserve safety, Joseph Amaya, and also a number six pick that they turned into Andrew Tiller, who was a guard from Syracuse, as I recall, who never played for them. Joseph Amaya spent one year here uh, in an undistinguished fashion. So Reggie, there were so so many great hopes for Reggie, but I think, Toward the end, uh, his lack of durability, maybe his lack of of being willing to play hurt, uh, maybe his lack of what they saw as an ability to run between the tackles, which he then disproved in Miami Mm -hmm. and also in Detroit, Um, I think all those things contributed to to letting him go. And I also think that Drew was pretty convinced that Darren Sproles was going to come here and fulfill that role, which he quickly did after they got rid of Reggie. No doubt. It all seemed to work very well. So I guess it's uh, New Orleans Saints north up there because you mentioned the other connections too, Jim. There are several. Mm-hmm. A lot of them. I mean, you got obviously Joe Lombardi. you got uh, John Bonamigo, who is their special teams coach, who was in that role for the Saints for a while. you got Issa abdul Kadus there, who played for the Saints and so there are a lot of connections uh, amongst the coaching staff and the players as well. Uh, it'll be interesting. I hope I can get reunited with Dean Kleinschmidt, who was the Saints trainer from 1969 to, to 1999, as I recall, and a dear friend, and he's now with the Lions, and so I'm happy for their success for, for him because he's one of the great guys in the game. No doubt. All right, storylines, Jim. Uh, it seems like a Rollades type of game here. <laughs> if you just take the line and some of the other matchup situations here, it could be a doozy to call on Sunday. It could be. And, you know, I think that for the Saints, one of the hopes has to be uh, this is the best offense that the Lions have faced. I mean, you look at what they've done recently, and they've had great statistics defensively, but they've faced the Vikings, the Bills, and the Jets. 
who are not exactly offensive juggernauts, but uh, still, it's a very formidable front four, uh, formidable formidable front seven, and they've got a linebacker who's just playing great for them, DeAndre Levy. Um, he's had 58 tackles, fourth in the NFL. He was the NFC Defensive Player of the Month in September. So it's going to be a really stern test for the offense of the Saints, and in particular the offensive line. I know you're really hip, um, so I'll ask you, are you an iPod guy? Are you listening to the iPod on your flight up to Detroit this weekend? Uh, I listen to it occasionally, but I won't be listening to it on the flight. I usually put on those uh, noise-canceling uh, headphones from Bose and Reed. I, I really like getting on flights, and it doesn't bother me if it's a long one because it's uh, time to sit back and catch up on some reading, catch up on some sports illustrators that I haven't had a chance to get through for the last week or two. Not surprised, not surprised. Um, but in the music library itself, how much Motown music is there? <laughs> well, I'm familiar with Motown, but I can't say that it's, uh, it, it's high on my listening uh, agenda. No, I'm, I'm mostly, as you know, I'm kind of a retro 60s guy, so uh, it's mostly 60s music, And but I'm, I'm, I like Motown. I like it a great deal. All right, I'm just trying to think of Detroit artists here. How about Bob Seger? Oh, I love Bob Seger. Are you, you kidding me? The Silver Bullet Band? There you go. All One right. of my all-time favorites. One of the best concerts I've ever been to as well. Um, so there's our Detroit flavor on the way out. I appreciate your time, Jim. My pleasure, Sean. Voice of the Saints, Jim Henderson, is always gracious enough to be with us on Thursdays. We'll continue here on the Black and Blue Report in just a moment. At the Auctioner Hospital for Children, no matter where you turn, you're surrounded by bravery. Children and teens dealing with health problems beyond their years. Parents working hard to keep the worry from their face. Doctors and nurses doing everything possible to get them back home where they belong. From rare brain tumors and leukemia to heart conditions and organ transplants, we offer a level of pediatric care unmatched in Louisiana. With more advanced capabilities than any other children's hospital in the region, even our kids-only ER can handle any pediatric emergency. In fact, the only thing tougher than the problems we see every day are the kids themselves. Choose the Auctioner Hospital for Children and never wonder if you could have done more. Call 866-AUCTIONER to find an affiliated pediatrician near you. Auctioner. Healthcare with peace of mind. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the Smoothie King Center and our Smoothie King Center studios where today's Black and Blue Report is being taped. We're over here, of course, because the Pelicans play tonight against the Thunder. We talked about that earlier in the show. Let's go a little more in depth. The Pelicans beat the Rockets on Tuesday night. This will be the second and last preseason game here in the home office. Uh, before we get to the regular season opener on the 28th against Orlando. One thing we have not yet seen here in the Pelicans preseason is that uh, the play of Tyreek Evans. We're very much looking forward to that. He is a go for tonight. Back from a hamstring injury, perfect timing too, as the uh, Pelicans still have three preseason games left for him to tune up for the regular season. Uh, Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com and the other assembled uh, media here this morning got a chance to talk to Tyreek in the locker room after shoot-around. Tyreek, today, today? Uh, yeah, today I'm going to uh, play some up and get out there and try to go. 
I guess you, you seem to be a quick heel. Is that something you take pride in? That always be a bounce back and get me come back from I mean, definitely. Uh, just try to take care of my body, you know. It's my security lead, you know, so um, during this training camp, you know, I, I did kind of like a diet, you know, just try to start eating right, you know, uh, have my chef cooking you know, healthy food to the, for before uh, to the first game of the season. So that kind of helped my hamstring, you know, kind of eating right, things like that, just and, uh, getting treatment, and, uh, you know, I healed up fast. You don't have one in the blocks at home. <laughs> nah, I don't got one, but if I did, it'd probably help even better. So uh, it's just me just taking care of my body, just trying to get treatment and uh, doing the right things I need to help me get better. Uh, I mean, just cutting, you know, playing against different uh, guys, you know, knowing they're going to be going hard. You know, they need guys out there and other team to step up with due, due to their injuries. So, you know, uh, just uh, see how I move laterally, you know, and we uh, see, and I'll uh, be um, talking to coaching and uh, see how I feel from there. Anthony Davis was also available to the media this morning. Of course, AD is coming off of his best preseason performance. He led all scores the other night against Houston. Looked a little more aggressive, showed us some of that mid-range jumper. And we continue to really enjoy watching uh, Davis play alongside Omer Ashik here in the preseason. Davis is ready to go again tonight. Again, again, or excuse me, again alongside Ashik as they welcome in the Thunder. Here is Anthony Davis from this morning. What's the team objective? What's your objective tonight? Kind of get tense with this Thunder team. What do you feel that you guys want to get? Um, just see where we are. You know, uh, you know they're a team that gets to the line. You know, 36 times right now in the preseason. Preseason, the weird team who's trying to, you know, limit our fouls. So um, this is a good challenge for us on that end. Um, offensively, we know they get after it. You know, defensively as well, they like the pressure. You know, rough like to steal the ball. You know, got a lot of guys who can play. So um, it's a good test for us, offensively and defensively, and just see where we are right now. I know Kevin Durant's not playing tonight because of his injury, but he said a lot of really um, complimentary things about you this summer. Can you talk about how, how do you view him? You it's just as, as a guy that you really respect, and just the way he carries himself is that something that you look you look at as a you know something that you can, can kind of. Take after uh, yeah, most definitely. No, he's definitely you know one of the you know, faces of the league right now. Um, you know, reigning MVP. So, you know, he 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 he's a great player. You know, he's done a lot of amazing things, scoring titles, um, been to the playoffs numerous times. You know, uh, seen all type of defenses. So, um, you know, I definitely I definitely you know look at KD as one of those guys that um, I try to do. You know things after, especially him being, you know, six eleven, you know, six ten, six eleven, and do some of the things he do is amazing. So I try to watch what he do, and um, you know the way he carries himself, the way he handles himself, you know, whether it's on the court, off the court, it's just truly amazing. You know, so um, you know it's tough that you know he's not going to be playing because of his injury. Um, and I just hope for a speedy recovery. What, what kind of role does he have for you? Is he? It seems like he's like I said, he's really supportive of you. Is he? You just the relationship you have with him is he's just a guy that's been kind of really supportive of you and like been in your corner the whole time. Yeah, always, and that's all the all the players. You know, it kind of started when I was there with that 2012 Olympic team. You know, all them guys kind of like took me as a little brother and just you know showed me the way. You know, gave me a lot of hints, a lot of tips on on the game of basketball, especially in the league. So um, that's what kind of all started. We've just been every cool since, and that goes from you know all the way. You know, from KD to LeBron to Chris, you know, to Russ to James, you know, Tyson, everybody on that team. Okay, so that's a 7 o'clock tip-off tonight. More details on that in a moment. 
We'll do that in our final segment here on this great Thursday edition of the Black and Blue Report. Stay up to date on the latest breaking New Orleans Saints news by downloading the team's official app presented by Verizon. Check out the 2014 schedule, league standings, and statistics. Plus, have access to watch live press conferences with Coach John Payton and players while reliving your favorite Saints moments. The Saints app makes the perfect game day companion with a detailed map of the Mercedes-Benz Superdome highlighting the facility's amenities. The free New Orleans Saints app presented by Verizon is available to download on iTunes and Google Play. Let's get the ball rolling for a thrilling time at the Sanderson Farms Championship PGA Golf Tournament, November 3rd through 9th at the Country Club of Jackson. For lots of first-class golf and fan-pleasing fun, join us for the Sanderson Farms Championship. It'll be quite a ride, unless you're chicken. For ticket information, visit www.sandersonfarmschampionship.com. This is Pelicans forward Ryan Anderson, and you're listening to the Black and Blue Report. The Saints and Lions will be on Fox this weekend. That's a noon central kickoff Sunday from Ford Field. The game will be uh, broadcast by Chris Myers, uh, Rondé Barber, and Jennifer Hale on the uh, network side. And so tomorrow we're pleased to welcome back our own Jen Hale to visit with us and give us some of her storylines for this weekend's football game on the Friday edition of the Black and Blue Report. We'll also wrap up tonight's Pelicans game which is against the Thunder. That tip-off is at 7 Central tonight and available across the Pelicans radio network, including the flagship in New Orleans, 105.3 WWL-FM. It's also available, uh, the the broadcast, that is, through the Pelicans app. That's a great way to try it out if you're uh, without the radio or um, just outside one of our affiliates' range. So keep that in mind. I tried it out myself the other night. As a matter of fact, during the game on Tuesday night, I was curious about it. And so we went to a timeout, which meant a commercial break, obviously. And so I picked up my phone, pulled up my Pelicans app, and I clicked on the radio thing. And it was only like literally 10 seconds delayed from what was happening at the Smoothie King Center. So very pleased about that and uh, wanted to try it out for myself before I talked about it more with you. Really enjoyed today's show. Big time show today. Thanks again to CNN and Turner Sports' Rachel Nichols. Of course, the voice of the Saints, Jim Henderson, Mark Ingram, Anthony Davis, and Tyreek Evans, too. This is kind of what this show is all about, as we try to effort to bring that to you most every day as best we can. Of course, Daniel Salerson's always efforting to bring us a great show, and he's with me in the Smoothie King Center studios right now and again tonight for Pelicans basketball. We'll see you later on tonight on the radio. Otherwise, we'll see you tomorrow, of course, on the Friday edition of the Black and Blue Report. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report.